Celebrate that. Well, today's uh, message is called uh, Remember and Celebrate. And I just want to just uh, thank those who are joining us online. Just say you're very welcome and hope you enjoy the service. And the reason, you know, we call it Remember and Celebrate is because we all like to be remembered and celebrated. You know, tomorrow is our lead pastor, uh, Jamie's birthday. I want to just say happy birthday, Pastor Jamie. Uh, can we sing happy birthday? Is that okay? He's, uh, he's traveling. He's overseas. He's going to be back this week, but he's probably going to watch uh, the message later on this evening. So is it okay if we sing happy birthday, Pastor Jamie? Now, I am a, I am a terrible singer. I am a terrible singer. Our last church, they said, don't sing. And if you do sing, we'll turn you down. But I'm going to try because I really love my pastor. So let's, uh, on the count of three, let's sing happy birthday, Pastor Jamie. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday Pastor Jamie, happy birthday to you. Amen. If my singing was, if my singing was bad, Jake will just edit this. Uh, the video, but uh, I don't know how old Pastor Jamie is. I think he's uh, <clears throat> that age. So uh, anyway, but we all like to be remembered and, and celebrated. And if it's your birthday today, happy birthday to you. But uh, we just want to just we say we love our lead pastor, Pastor Jamie, and uh, we love to celebrate birthdays here. If you're on the dream team, you get a, a birthday card from the church because we love you. We want to we celebrate you. We all love to uh, celebrate graduations and anniversaries and milestones. And here in Lighthouse, we love to remember and celebrate our faith. And that's why next Sunday, as uh, Rebecca said, is, uh, is Vision Sunday. And in uh, Vision Sunday, it, we just make a big thing about this. And as Rebecca said, we're going over to the iSense. We're going to be in luxury next week. Uh, you're going to be able to stretch out. Uh, you're going to be able to put your legs up. And uh, we're going to just have a wonderful time. Because, you know, when we do Vision Sundays here at the church, we're really doing for two things. Because we want to look back and we want to celebrate the old. Now, we're going to be celebrating the last 12 months at Lighthouse, and we're also looking forward and contemplating the new. We have some wonderful new things that we want to introduce you to next Sunday that you're going to just be amazed about. Because here at Lighthouse, in case you didn't know this, we love vision. We love vision. All around you is vision. And we love it. And one of the reasons we love it is because the Bible says without vision, people die. I don't want to die. I don't want this church to die. In order to continue to live, we need vision. Now, there's a lot of definitions about vision. And, of course, we're going to obviously talk more about it this week. But I just want to get us prepared for that. So, for instance, vision is the ability to see before it happens. So next week, you're going to be able to see things that we're going to see happen in the near future. Also, vision is to have such assurance, I love this, that tomorrow looks possible today. When you hear some of the things that we're going to talk about next week, you're going to say, this is going to happen sooner than we think. 
Because it's the assurance. It's the assurance that tomorrow looks possible today. I love this statement. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. It's not what you look at that matters. See, we're all looking around at each other, but we're not all seeing the same things. So it's not what we look at that matters. It's what we see. And vision is what we will be remembered and celebrated for. Vision is what we will be remembered and celebrated for. And the vision of Lighthouse is to inspire ordinary people to extraordinary purpose. That's the vision of Lighthouse. And that's what we're going to be remembered and celebrated for if the vision comes to pass. And regardless who has the vision, vision motivates us and excites us and helps us to celebrate because we celebrate vision. If we're looking for something to celebrate in our life and looking around, well, what we have to celebrate is vision. And vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. We're passionate about vision here because we can see that it is going to give us a better future. And vision motivates us to get involved. We get involved with our, our time, with our abilities, and with our money. And when we have a vision for our career, our family, our home, we are motivated to act and to do something. And I love this next statement. Vision with action makes a powerful reality. See, it's not, it's not enough just to talk about vision. That vision has to be put into action. Vision without action is just a dream. There's a lot of people walking around with dreams. But it's when the vision is put into action that we actually have reality. And when we look around our nation, you know, and all the companies, all the organizations that have vision, I think one of the biggest organizations in Ireland that has vision and produces passion is, I wonder if you get this, the GAA, the Gaelic Athletic Association. I don't know if you ever played GAA, but uh, it's an amazing organization that's been in Ireland for over 100 years. And they have over, look at this, they have over 2,000 clubs in all 32 counties and 400 more worldwide. You can go to the Middle East, you can go to Australia, you can go to America, and you can play the GEA today. It is an incredible organization. In fact, here in Ireland, there are over a half a million people involved in the GEA. And they are all, for the most part, volunteers. They are not doing it for money. They're doing it out of vision and out of passion. Because people get involved in something they believe in. In something that they find important and meaningful. People get involved in passion. Now, I'm not here to promote the GEA. I'm here to promote the church. But when it comes to the church, when we talk about the church universal, 
Many people struggle to get involved. Many people struggle. There's a lot of churches in our nation that are struggling. They're struggling to get people involved. And, many, and they're struggling to get people to give of their time, skills, and money. Why is this? Why is there such a passion for the things like the GEA and other organizations? But when it comes to church, it's really a struggle to get people involved. And I think th there's many reasons. But I think the biggest reason why people struggle with church is that many people equate church with religion. And, pe and religion in Ireland is often remembered for the wrong things and is not generally, gen generally celebrated. Now, it's a, it's a tragedy in some ways because religious organizations have done some wonderful things in Ireland. When you think about the hospitals and you think about the schools, you think, you think about social uh, agencies to help people, most of them, if not all of them, were formed by religious organizations. But unfortunately, we live in an age because of scandals, because of things that man have, has done wrong, that religion is not remembered, is, is sorry, more remembered for the wrong things it does and is not usually celebrated. But I'm here to say that church is not religion. Church is not religion. Lighthouse Church is not religion. Because church and religion have two different visions. Have you been coming here for a long time? You know, this is something that Pastor Jamie always kind of reminds us that we are not a religion. We are church. We're Christianity. What's the difference? Well, here are some of the differences. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. They're completely different visions. If you're here today and you say, you know, I'm only accepted if I obey, that's religion. But in Christianity, we're accepted because of what God, Christ has done for us. And therefore, because we're accepted, we can obey. One more. Religion says, do it. But Christianity says, it's done. It's done. God has already done everything for us that we need for this life and the life to come. And because of this, because I see church with different lenses, I can commit and believe in the vision of Lighthouse. You know, Michelle and I have been here three years but we, we do not get paid one penny from Lighthouse. We are volunteers just like everybody else. What Michelle and I do because of just some good things that the Lord has done for us, we're able to go to America and we're able to get some friends and churches uh, there to help us uh, to be here. And so we have to do this every couple of years. So actually, we've got to go back to America at the end of this year. But we, we believe in this. We believe in the vision of Lighthouse. And we give just like you give. So what I'm going to say today is not about getting something from you, but it's actually about giving something to you. It's about giving a vision. Because when it comes to involvement 
and commitment, the biggest point of struggle is money. Because we cannot do the vision without giving. We cannot do the vision without generosity. And the Bible, and you might not know this, this might be a surprise to you, but the Bible talks more about money than it does about prayer and faith. That is an incredible truth. Let me just tell you how much it talks about money. And so over 2,000 verses in the Bible are about money. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus gives us are about money. Why is that? Because what matters to us matters to God. I want to show you some statistics here. And uh, this is from Consumer Credit, and these are people who counsel people in, in, in relationships. And they say that 67% said that they argue with their significant other about money. Are you one of those people? Am I one of those people? 67% of us argue with our significant other about money. Then 78%, this is a tragedy, said that money issues was the main reason for their divorce. I've married a lot of people and some of them didn't make it. And many of them is because of money. One was a spender, one was a saver, and sometimes both were spenders. And so many people, like 78%, say that money issues was the main reason for their divorce. And then this last one. Nine, and don't put your hand up, but this is, I, I just, this is so real. 92% said that more money would solve their relationship issues. Now listen, I believe, I'm one of those 92, you know, you don't have to admit it. But 92% of us say that more money would solve their relationship issues. I want to just give you a quote here from Jim Carrey. This is what he says. He says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they would know that's not the answer. Wow, that's a prophet right there. Why is that? Because money has never changed anyone. It just magnifies who they are. Money will not change us. Money will just magnify who we are. And I want to just look at this portion of Scripture because we said over 2,000 verses in the Bible are about money. And I want to look at this portion of Scripture that's found in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 6 to 12. And this passage is also found in Mark chapter 14 and John 12. These are, these are Gospels. And, um, and so I wanted to just look at these and uh, pick from uh, uh, not only Matthew but also John. And just to communicate to us how much money magnifies who we are. So the context of this portion of Scripture is that we're looking at a broken religious system. You know, religion didn't get, just get broken in our time. Religion has been broken for a long, long time. And in the time of Jesus... He came to deal with a broken religious system. So what we're going to look at, the context of what we're going to look at today is leading up to the final week of 
Jesus' life. And so it's near the time of the Passover, the final Passover. Jesus is going to die. He's going to die on the cross uh, for, for the people. And so he uh, is um, with, and we're going to look at this portion of Scripture in a moment. Passover, just, one, just in case you don't know, Passover was instituted in the time of Moses to celebrate the uh, deliverance of Egypt, uh, 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 Israel out of Egypt. That was what it was instigated for. So every year, for thousands of years, they were to remember and celebrate the Passover. So it was a time where they were to celebrate their freedom. But what is happening behind the scenes in the religious system is that the Pharisees have decided that they are going to kill Jesus. He is celebrated too much, and we're going to get rid of him. So that's the, that's the background for what's, what's happening here. And it's, it's just a sad reality that sometimes religion criticizes what God wants celebrated. And we, want to, we, we don't want to be a church that's criticizing people. We want to be a church that celebrates people. We want to be a church where people can come and be celebrated. So that's the background to the, to the uh, text. So I'm going to just look into the text here. And again, we're, going to, we're looking at how money possessions magnify who we are. So this is what it says. Now, well, while Jesus was in Bethany. Now, Bethany was a village just outside Jerusalem. And Jesus would often go there. And he was, he was there and he was in the home of Simon the leper. Now let's just look at this for a sec because it, you know leprosy a leprosy was a contagious disease. It was an incurable disease. So you did not go to a home of a leper. And so when we when we read this that Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, it's implied that Jesus has healed Simon. And so what we see here is even though our identity has changed, it can take some time for that reality to be known by everybody else. And so I want to just, I just, I just say that to encourage us. You know, this is Simon the leper, but he's not a leper anymore. He's been cured by Jesus. Otherwise, these people would not be in the house. And I want to just say... I, I just want to just say, maybe you're here today, and you might say, you know, this was my identity in the past. But we have a new identity in Christ. And even though we might be known by our old identity, let's live in our new identity. That's what Simon did. He said, I'm not a leper anymore. I can have anybody I want in my house. Of course, this is pre-COVID. There's no restrictions here. But uh, he says, I want, I, want, I want you all to come to my house. And it says, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now, what we're going to learn later is it, it was worth a year's wages. And while... While she, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. So get the picture. Jesus is reclining at the table. 
this woman comes in with an expensive jar of, of perfume and she breaks it and she pours it on his, his head. So the question we want to ask ourselves, you know, what is happening here? And so what we will we'll see, obviously, that Jesus is going to give the interpretation. But I want to just give you a clue what that interpretation might be. Remember we talked about some of the definitions of vision. We said, we said vision is the ability to see before it happens. It is to have such assurance that tomorrow looks possible today. I wanted to give you that clue because Jesus is going to give us the interpretation of what this, why this lady did what she did. But it's important to see that what she did is all connected with vision. But before we look at what Jesus is going to say, you got to understand that everybody else has an opinion as well. And so let's just look at what other people said. It says, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And we would all say, Amen. Amen. That's a great response to what this lady did. This was a waste. All this money that could have been given to the poor, she should have, she should have given it to the poor. But there's always a backstory. And so I want to give you the backstory to this out of John's gospel. This is what John chapter 12, verse 4, 6 says, what really was going on. And so we see here, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. So he's the one that's leading the charge. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now listen to this. Look at this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in. So what we see here is someone who was out of control was trying to be in control. And I don't know about your life, but I just want to just encourage you. Never put someone in control of your life whose life is out of control. Never do anything that someone whose life's out of control tells you to do. See, often, you know, we see tragically that this was, happen also, this was happening also in the religious system around uh, at that time. And, and sometimes it can be in our, our time too, that people who are in control are out of control. And whenever people who are out of control, in control, bad things happen. And so here's Jesus' response. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. 
The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying the poor don't matter. He's not saying that we should not help the poor. He's not saying helping the poor is not a beautiful thing because we know Jesus helped the poor. We know that he cared about the poor. In fact, he says at the end times when we stand before God, he's going to ask us and challenge us if we helped the poor. So this is not about, oh, Jesus is against helping people. But what Jesus is saying, I believe what Jesus is saying here is that some things cannot be solved with money. Some things cannot be solved with money. We know this because this is what he continues to say. He says, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So what he was saying was, there is things that money cannot do. There are situations that no money in the world can help. And I want to just bring in another scripture here because one of the people who were here at this uh, story uh, was Peter. And this is what Peter says in chapter 1, verse 18, 19. He says, he says, For you know, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, that was bought back, that you were saved from the empty, empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You see, our, our money cannot save us. Our money cannot redeem us. Money cannot do what only God can do. And she was, ce- she was celebrating what no money in the world could do for her. All the money in the world cannot do what only God can do for us. Only God can save us. Only Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And having a grasp of who Jesus is compels us to give. You see, Judas and Mary had different visions. You know, both are remembered but both are not celebrated. And so the question I want to just ask us is, what do we want to be remembered and celebrated for? And the second question is, are we willing to be criticized too? You see, when we talk about the vision of the church and it being different from religion, we got to remember again that religion criticizes what God meant to be celebrated. Religion is quick to criticize and slow to, to, to celebrate because when God is not in control, our lives are out of control. 
So how do we best remember and celebrate Jesus? We are people of faith here. How do we best celebrate? How do we best remember Jesus? And the answer is by giving. Not out of a religious obligation, but out of devotion to God. And perhaps uh, you're like me, you don't have an alabaster jar or perfume in your home, you know. Uh, uh, if, you, if you don't know what an alabaster jar or perfume is, I want to show you a picture. This is it. Do you, does anyone have one in their home uh, with uh, a, a year's worth of uh, perfume in it? Uh, I don't have one of this. So where do we start? If we want to celebrate and remember Jesus... What does the Bible tell us to do? Remember, there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about giving, about money. And so what is is all that those verses say? Well, I believe that how we remember and celebrate Jesus is true tithing. True tithing. You know, you might push back and say, well, you know, tithing was in the law uh, tithing was in the Old Testament, but actually tithing was before the law and actually began first as a vision. The patriarchs in Genesis had a vision of who God is. And so tithing was a vision before it was a law. And there's so many verses about tithing but I want to just give you a foundational verse. It's Psalm 24.1. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and how much? Everything in it. The world and all who live in it. And so, we got to remember, because it's about remembering and celebrating, that remember that all we have has been given to us by God. All we have, everything that we have, God has given to us. That's the vision that the Bible has about giving. So tithing isn't really giving, it's returning. It's returning to God what He has given us. And I've been served the Lord uh, for 34 years. And I can stand here and say that God is our provider. God is our, our provider. In Philippians 4.19 it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has promised to be our provider. That we remember and celebrate that everything that we have is God's and we give God back His portion. He promises to provide for us. And we get to celebrate that we get to keep 90%. We, we, we celebrate. Everything is everything's from God. And if we tithe, we put God first. Tithe means tent. We get to celebrate that we keep 90%. That God promises to bless that 90%. Mary gave her best. Because she remembered and celebrated what was best. And as a result, as a result of Mary remembering and celebrating Jesus, she is remembered and celebrated. 
And I, w- I want to just challenge us. You know, I know there's probably people here that, you know, you may not even be a believer and you're saying, well, you know, he's talking about money. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a, for a vision for giving. You know, if, if we're here and we say, you know, my finances are out of control. Well, I want to encourage us that we put them back in the hands of God. He will help us to control them. And when we remember and celebrate Jesus through our giving, he will remember and celebrate us, even if no one else does. I want to just, just encourage us that when we, when we take that step of faith, we say, God, you know, I'm going to trust you. You know, I, and again, I, I'm communicating this to people who are, who are believers, who, who believe in Jesus, who've received, you know, redemption, like Peter said, from Jesus, that when we put God first in our finances, God will remember and celebrate us and provide all our needs. So how do we best remember and celebrate Jesus? Well, it's through our giving. When we give, we celebrate, we remember Jesus, and that takes an open heart, a profound love, in a true do- devotion. So I want to leave us with three practical things that you can do. I know that probably, you know, this is a, a lot for some people. I want to just say, you know, just ponder it, think about it, uh, study it. Uh, if you have any questions, you can, you can come up to uh, myself or anyone on the team, and uh, we'd be happy just to direct you. But, but I think there's three things that obviously... Uh, we need, to, we need to get started in this. First of all, uh, number one, we need to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. See, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And if we, if we know what Jesus has done for us, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, your sins, he takes away all our, our shame, all our guilt, and we can know him. And we can have a personal relationship with him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you. We have a, a great course here on a, in our connect groups. And that is the Alpha course. The Alpha course is the introduction to who Jesus is, what he's done for us, how we can know him. I want to encourage you. If you want to know Jesus, want to know what he really done, he's done for you. Why this woman would, would do such a thing like that. The Alpha Course is amazing. Then the second thing I think we need to do is we need to know the vision. We need to know the vision of Lighthouse. What is Lighthouse about? What, what is it doing? Because when we know the vision, it will ignite the passion in our hearts to give. Because people give to vision. They do not give to religion. And God wants you and I to be a part of that vision. And we're going to be, next week, we're going to be blown away by what we believe God wants to do through us. Not just years to come, but in the next 12 months. God has got amazing things. So come, know the vision, you know, get involved in the vision. Say, I, I want to be a participant in the, given, in, the, in the vision. And then lastly, we need to know our hearts. We need to know our hearts. We need to, to know what's, what's, what's my motivation. You know, th- this woman was motivated by, 
by, by love and devotion. What's my motivation? Do I give to get? Or do I not give? Do I keep control of my money? Or am I holding on to things? Who do you identify with in this story? Who do you identify with this story? You know, uh, I, came, I came to the Lord out of, um, out of a gambling addiction. I, uh, I went to a business college in Carlo, and instead of uh, graduating with a degree in business, I graduated with a degree in gambling. Now, you, you can't get a degree in gambling at college. I just got that myself. And uh, I was, my life was destroyed. Uh, my life was absolutely destroyed. And I was completely depressed. And uh, I, I ended up suicidal. I said, I, I can't get off this. But I, I did what saved my life. I went into my local church. I called out to God. I says, God, if you're real, save me. And as the scriptures say, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God miraculously intervened in my life and delivered me from the gamble. He changed my heart. And God has helped me to be a giver. I want to just encourage us. You know, I, 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 I would have been Judas there. I, I would have been like, when I was in my gambling addiction, I, I, was, I was taken. I was not giving anything. But God changes our heart. And I want to just, just encourage you. God, you know, where is my heart with you? Right? You know, God, am I remembering and celebrating you with my heart? And if you're here and you consider Lighthouse your home, I want to, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, you know, uh, to become a regular giver. To support the vision of Lighthouse. To be, to be a participant with us. You know, that we can all be remembered and celebrated. So you can, you can ha get a standing order. Uh, you can get a giving number. All these things can be given to you by the church. This is what the Bible says. And we're going to be closing. It says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. We can be cheerful in our giving because we remember and celebrate what Jesus done for us. So just to recap, three things I think God wants to do, and then I'm just going to pray, is that we need to know Jesus. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. He has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. And secondly, to know the vision. Because we want to inspire ordinary people to extraordinary purpose. God has an amazing plan for Lighthouse Church, and we're all we all have a part to play. And then thirdly, know your heart. God, is my heart for you? Is my heart for your work? Because I want to live forever through my giving.